Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. So today we are going to be in Galatians chapter 6, so I invite you to turn there to Galatians chapter 6. Um, we're still working through our series called Holy Grit when we're talking about that holy endurance that comes from God himself. One of the most difficult things is not only bearing up under hardship or suffering, and we've spoken about that in the last two weeks, but it's also very difficult in the waiting, just the waiting. When, when you're waiting on God to work, you're waiting on something to happen. You're waiting on something to be accomplished. And you don't know how long it's going to be before that occurs. You don't know everything that's going to happen in the in-between. And you just wait. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. It's especially hard when you are waiting on something that is good. When you are waiting on God to accomplish His purposes. And you're waiting, waiting, waiting. This past week, I, I called up one of my mentors on the phone, and we were able to talk for a while and, and catch up. And he said, um, you know, he said, even in my retirement, it is still true. I said, what's that? He said, my main complaint against God. I said, what's your main complaint against God? And he said that I am in a hurry and he is not. And that's the same for all of us. We are in a hurry and God is not. God takes his perfect time to do things. But what do we do while we're waiting? What kind of endurance do we need as we're waiting on God to work? Many of us in this room, we're waiting on God to do particular things. We have, we have maybe worked in an area, maybe we've prayed about things, maybe we've sought God's guidance, and maybe we've been doing exactly what God's been calling us to do, but yet right now we don't see the fruit. We don't see the harvest. We don't see the results. And so today I want us to talk about waiting for the harvest. What do we do as we wait for the harvest? And what does God's word tell us about that? Well, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, we find this little verse. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. We ask that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Father, we pray that as we wait on you and there are people here in this room there are people watching there are people listening who are waiting on you so father i pray that today you might speak your truth in such a way that they might be encouraged that they might be challenged that they might be strengthened to continue to wait and to practice this holy grit this sanctified endurance that you call us to and we ask this in jesus name amen well this is just one verse but you find in this one verse there are a few things and there's a pattern in this verse and and as we go through i'll mention it in a little more detail but there's a pattern that we find in numerous verses and that that pattern is found in this verse as well. So the first part of that pattern is there's a command. So God gives the command. And the command is, let us not grow weary of doing good. That's a command. Don't grow weary. 
don't grow weary of doing good, specifically. And that do not grow weary of doing good is a command that is repeated elsewhere. You find in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Spiritual exhaustion, exhaustion is the constant temptation when you're serving Christ. There's always a temptation for spiritual exhaustion. Always. Always. It is spiritually taxing. It can weigh you down emotionally. And, and so that can be a burden. And you, and you can go through that, that time where you're, you're working for Christ, or you're serving Christ, or you're seeking Christ. And it can literally be very exhausting. And I've heard people say, well, but you know, it's nowhere near as exhausting as physical exhaustion. I had a gentleman tell me one time, you've got it easy. I said, how do I have it easy? He said, you have it easy because you're a pastor. He said, I get out and I work with my hands. I do physical labor. I do hard manual labor and I go home exhausted. You don't know what that's like. I said, you walk a week with me and you see what it's like. You walk a week listening to the, the burdens of people when they bring them to you and you weep with them and you cry with them and you, you go to the funeral homes and you go to the hospital bedsides and, and you talk to people whose lives are being torn apart day after day after day after day. I'm not complaining by no means. That's what God's called me to do. That's what I was made for. I understand that. But I do understand it can be spiritually exhausting. And I'll be honest, Physical exhaustion, you can sleep for a day or so and you're okay. Spiritual exhaustion, it doesn't work that way. You have to be renewed in a different way. Let us not grow weary of doing good. That's a command. You find in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, Peter writes, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Sometimes we grow weary because we face opposition. You may be in your job. You may be living for Christ in your job and, and wherever you have your occupation, and you may be experiencing opposition for your stance and for your lifestyle of following Christ. You may be at school and you may be experiencing opposition for your lifestyle of following Christ. Peter writes, it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. If you're in the middle of God's will and following God's will, it's better that you should suffer for doing what you should do than to suffer for doing the things that God has said not to do or the things that are outside of God's will. If faithfulness got you into a situation, why on earth would you think that unfaithfulness is going to get you out? So many times we do that. We're faithful to God and God moves us into a situation. That situation proves to be difficult. And then we start thinking of ways we can extricate ourselves from that situation. And so many times we turn to ungodly means to try to get out of the pressure. If faithfulness got us into it, unfaithfulness will not get us out of it. We're to stay up under that pressure. But we're to stay under the pressure and not grow weary of doing good. That's a command. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary of doing good. I can't tell you over the last year the number of pastors and ministry leaders that I have talked to who have called me and just said, I am just weary. I am weary of this pandemic. I am weary of all of these difficulties. I am weary of the complaints and I'm weary of this. And, and they're just all just the overwhelming sense of weariness that is going on. 
And I know it's the same, not just among ministry leaders, but among just congregants. Just as we go about our everyday life, we can get weary, we can get tired of doing good. And can I tell you so many times when hardships come, you know what we operate under? We operate under the scarcity mentality. We operate under a mentality of, okay, well, maybe there's not enough good to go around, so I better do as much good as I can for me and mine and withhold it from everybody else because I don't have the energy to give it to everybody else. I don't have the energy to serve everybody else. I don't have the the wherewithal to, to get out and serve everybody else even in the midst of that. Can I tell you, we need to guard against that. We have to guard against becoming coming so exclusive and so ingrown and so so inward focused in the midst of difficulty we are to not grow weary in doing good listen to galatians chapter 6 verse 10 very next verse as we were looking at 6 9 so then as we have opportunity let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith we're to do good to everyone and we're to especially do good to those who are of the household of faith those fellow believers And notice Paul writes, so then as we have opportunity, that word opportunity refers to a fixed period of time. Do you know what that opportunity is? From the time we know Christ to the time we leave earth. It is our life. That's our fixed opportunity. As those moments come in that window of opportunity, as we are drawing breath here, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And we are to not grow weary in doing good. Are you there? Are you in a place of weariness? Are you in a place of just being spiritually tired? Well, the Bible says do not grow weary. Well, how can we, how can we not grow weary? How can we avoid growing weary? Glad you asked. It's the next part of the verse. He gives us a command, and that command is contingent upon a promise. Look at the promise. For in due season, we will reap. That's a promise. So God gives a command, do not grow weary. But he just doesn't leave it there. Do not grow weary, figure it out yourself. Do not grow weary, you're on your own. Do not grow weary... Make yourself another cup of coffee and take a nap. He doesn't say that, although those are good things, both cup, coffee, and naps, good things. So God doesn't say you're on your own, do it by your own strength. No, he gives a command and then he links that command to a promise. For in due season, we will reap. What's he talking about? Well, if you back up in Galatians, a couple of verses, you find the context of what Paul is writing about. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul writes, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now let me tell you what he's not talking about. What he's not saying. He's not saying that your salvation is based upon you working for it to obtain it and achieve it. He's not saying that. He's not saying your salvation is contingent upon whether or not you work. It's not what he's saying. And, And by the way, the opposite on the flip side, we have to address this as well. God is also not saying that there is no effort as after we come to Christ and we live for him 
and we do battle with sin. There's effort involved. The gospel is, is not against effort. The gospel is against earning. We can't earn it. But after we come to Christ, there is a battle that takes place where we are doing battle by the power of the Holy Spirit against the sin in our life. And that is effort. So the, the gospel is, an, is not adverse to effort. The gospel is completely adverse to the idea of earning salvation. But we work, as the old saying goes, we work from our salvation, not for our salvation. So what is he talking about here? He's talking about the law of the harvest, as it's been called. Whenever you reap what you sow, so to speak, whenever you are living a life and the effort that you're putting forth and what you are doing by the power of God and you are sowing to righteousness, you will eventually reap righteousness. But if you are sowing to unrighteousness and the things of the flesh, you're going to reap to unrighteousness. The law of the harvest, if you look through the Bible, uh, a lot of times people talk about how it has three parts. First of all, you, you, you reap what you sow. You've heard that. that. That's what the Bible says that right there. For the one who, sow, whatever one sows, verse seven, that will he also reap. So you reap what you sow. Secondly, you reap more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. No one goes out and plants a kernel of corn and says, well, I can't wait because I'm going to get another kernel of corn. No one does that. You plant one seed expecting a plant that will give you more corn, multiple ears. So you reap what you sow. If you plant corn, you get corn. You reap more than you sow. You plant a seed, you get a plant that bears more of the fruit. And you reap in a different season than you sow. You reap in a different season than you sow. No one goes out and plants. You don't go out and plant your garden come spring. You don't go out and plant your seeds and then the next morning get up with a basket to go out and collect the harvest. We know that doesn't work. Well, Paul is using this agricultural metaphor to point us to these truths as well. We reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow. And we reap in a different season than we sow. That's why sometimes when we look at people and there's someone who has kind of gone off the rails and they're hurting everybody in their path and it seems like they're just living a life where nothing is touching them. Well, God is clearly showing them mercy, yes, but at the same time, they're sowing seeds. They're sowing seeds and those seeds will sprout. Unless there's repentance, those seeds will sprout and they will bear fruit and that fruit will be a bitter, bitter fruit. But it's going to be reaped in a different season than it's sown. And the same is true on the positive side. You may be working for Christ. You may be living for Christ. You may be praying. You may be seeking his will. And you may be doing unto the kingdom. And you may be doing for God. And you may be exerting that sanctified effort. Not that you're trying to earn anything. But you are following God as obediently as you know how. And you're saying, but I don't see any fruit. I don't see a response. I don't see a result. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. And you reap in a different season than you sow. But there's that promise. For in due season, 
we will reap. If you look back in the Old Testament, and you look back to God's promise to his people, Israel, in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 4, you find this, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Notice he says, then I will give you your rains, plural. I will give you your rains. What's he talking about? Well, if you go to the book of James, James chapter 5, verse 7, James says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So in Israel, there were two rainy seasons. One was at the beginning of the agricultural season where the rains would come and they would soften the ground and the ground would be softened enough that they could plant. And then those rains would eventually taper off and there would be a dry season. And then the late rains would come and the late rains late in the season would push the fruit of the harvest to the ripeness level. It's that last little burst of water from the heavens that would ripen the fruit, it would ripen the wheat, it would ripen the rye, and you find that the grain and all the olives and everything else, you would find that that rain would help it in that last little boost, but they had to wait. It wasn't a continual rainy season. There was a time of dryness, and the farmers would wait expectantly for the late rains to come. And I think so many times we forget that. We forget, as James is saying, like how the, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives all the rain that it needs. Some of us have given our lives and given energy and giving, given so much effort in the time of the early rain. And now we're just, it's a dry season. We've sown the seeds and we're waiting. And we're waiting because God's the one who gives the increase. And so we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And in the due season, in the right season, at exactly the right moment of time, God pushes that harvest to its ripeness. And that's his doing. Nobody could work it up. Nobody could make it happen. Nobody could cause it to come to pass. They were completely and totally dependent upon God. I saw a bumper sticker not so long ago. It said that we forget that we owe our existence to a thin level of topsoil and the fact that it rains. It's true. That thin level of topsoil and the fact that it rains. That God is the one who provides for us ultimately, even today. And all of our advances, with all our technology, we owe our existence to the fact that we have land that we can cultivate and that God sends the rain. The same was true then, and the same is true in spiritual matters. God's the one who does the work. God is the one who brings the increase. And so in due season, it will happen. In due season, we'll reap a harvest. I remember um, there was a guy that I had spoken to for a number of months, 
And I talked to him about Jesus, shared Christ with him, just explained the gospel again and again and again and again and again and again to him. And I remember we were, we were visiting with him and there was another gentleman with me. And this, I mean, I don't know how many times I talked to this guy about Christ. And we went to talk to this guy again and we're just kind of catching up with him. And the guy that was with me, he'd never met him. The guy that was with me, he just said, have you thought about following Jesus? And the guy said, actually, yes. And the guy said, would you like to know him? And he said, yes, I would. And the guy I was with led him to Christ right there. Boom. And I'm sitting there going, what is this about? We get in the car and we're on our way back. There was a third guy with us. The third guy looked at me and said, Dustin, looks like you need to take some lessons. And I said, brother, let me tell you something. You don't know how many times I helped plow that field. You don't know how many times I sowed that seed. You just don't know how many times that happened. And I'm just telling you, there's been work done in that field that I know that the Holy Spirit has been doing in that field to allow that seed to take root tonight. Now, I'm not taking credit for it. I'm saying God's been working on him for a while. And he was like, well, I didn't see that. Right, you don't see that. You don't see that. But let me encourage you. We've probably, many of us have had that experience. Maybe you have a loved one. Maybe you have a friend. Maybe you have someone that's close to you and you've been talking to them about Jesus and talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus. And you're thinking it's not doing any good. Can I just tell you, you keep sowing. You keep watering. You keep plowing by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in due season, in due season, there will be a harvest and God's going to bring it to pass But it's not going to be a matter of just suddenly, you know, somebody just shows up, boom, here it is. God's doing the work. God's doing the work that we don't see. God's doing work underneath the surface so many times that we don't see. We will reap in due season. So let us not grow weary. There's the promise. We will reap when? In due season. That's this promise. Let's not grow weary. God gives a command. Why? Because we're going to reap. It's just not the season for the harvest yet. And then finally, he gives us a warning. There's a warning. If we do not give up, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's a command, there's a promise, and there's a warning. If you look through the Bible, you will probably be shocked at how many times you find those three ideas in close proximity to each other. A command, a promise, and a warning. Maybe not in that particular order, But the three of those things, so many times throughout the Bible, God gives us a command, he gives us a promise, and that promise is contingent upon that command, and then he gives us a warning if we depart from his promise and disobey his command. Here it says, if we do not give up, we don't give up, keep going, holy grit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians and saying, I have this ministry and it's telling people about Jesus and it's bringing the gospel to people and it's sharing and it's moving, it's advancing the gospel. And, and because I have this ministry from God, I'm not going to lose heart because God's called me to it. God's made me for this. You need to have that thing in your life that you know that God has called you to and that God has made you for. And when you know that God has called you to it and made you for it, then you can stick with it. 
as long as you know that God's the one who's called you to it and empowers you to do it. You can stick with it. Absolutely. I'll be honest. There are days, there are days that if I did not know that God had explicitly called me to the ministry, I wouldn't want to do it anymore. They're just hard days, but I know God's called me to it. I know God's empowered me for it. And and you hear all sorts of things from other people and from your heart and everything like that. Listen, I got to know this is a ministry from God, so I don't lose heart. By the way, this word that he uses here for lose heart in 2 Corinthians 4 is the same word that he uses here for give up in Galatians chapter 6. It means a few things, the word picture associated with it. One is a woman who is giving birth, she's in labor, but she has not yet delivered the child and she reaches a point where she just wants to give up. That's one of the images. A person who has not yet completed the birth process, but is at the point of of exhaustion and fear, says, I just can't go on. That's the image. There's also another image. It means to unstring a bow. When bow season was over, I have a, a recurve bow, and, we, and I know that's old school, but that's how I like to roll. But I, had a, I have a recurve bow, and when bow season was over, I unstrung it and hung it on the pegs on the wall. So I unstrung the bow. So now when you unstring the bow, do you know what you have when you unstring a bow? A stick. That's what you have. It's a stick. You're not going to shoot arrows with it unless you string that bow. So in the same way, that's, that is one of the images associated with this word to give up. It's to give up before the birth takes place or to unstring a bow, to unloosen a bow so that it is no longer effective. It's no longer a weapon. It's just a stick. And so you find that Paul says the warning is don't give up. Don't give up before the birth is complete. Don't give up and unstring your bow. Don't stop. That's the warning. And so many times we have people who begin in an amazing way, but they don't hold fast until the end. We have to understand that. A brilliant beginning does not guarantee a faithful finish. It doesn't. So many times people begin brilliantly, but the word of God tells us we need to have a faithful finish. We finish holding fast. We finish in faith. The warning, if we do not give up. How do we know? How do we know that giving up is the wrong thing to do? Well, first of all, God tells us. And secondly, God gives us the reason. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, listen to the words of Paul. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in what? In the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There is absolutely nothing that we will do for the Lord that will be in vain. The world may tell you it's foolish. The culture may tell you it's outdated. People may tell you you are crazy to believe what a bunch of dead people wrote in a book that's super old. But can I tell you, The Bible tells us that what we do for the Lord is never in vain. 
If you do it for God, it's not without purpose. If you do it for God, it is not without meaning. If God has called you to it, it has a reason behind it that is far greater than anything we could imagine. So therefore, we do not give up. Let us not grow weary of doing good, the command, for in due season we will reap, that's the promise, if we do not give up. And there's our warning. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul writes, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. As you're waiting on your harvest, whatever that may be, may God's work in you direct you to the great love that he has. May God align your heart with that great love that he has for you in Christ. And not only that, the steadfastness of Christ. The Christ has that stick to The Christ fulfilled the commands that God gave him. The, the work that his father gave him to accomplish, he accomplished it perfectly. And if we are surrendered to him, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, works in us to accomplish the purpose that he has for each one of us perfectly. And it's not the same. Don't let someone tell you if you are following the will of God as God has laid out to you and someone is saying, yeah, but the way you're doing that is not like the way so-and-so did it. The way you're saying that is not the way that so-and-so said it. Your approach to that is not the way that this person had that approach to it. Can I tell you, God made you, you. And God equipped you to accomplish his will in a particular way, in this particular place, in this particular time for his ultimate glory. And so if you are doing what God has called you to do in the way that God has called you to do it, that is what you need to do. God didn't call you to be like everybody else. God called you to accomplish the purpose he has given for you. And he has given each one of us not only that general purpose to glorify him, but he's gifted each one of us in different ways with different personalities to accomplish that in a way that only we can do. We had a um, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes dinner here a couple of years ago, two or three years ago now. And I remember our speaker was here, and I walked up to him, and, and this, was, this was right after I became lead pastor. And I walked up to him, and we were talking, and he said, so you're the lead pastor now? I said, I am. He said, you ever been a lead pastor before? I said, no. I said, I've served in ministry for a long while but never as lead pastor and he just smiled and he laughed and he said well you know what that means then I said uh I, yeah i guess he said no here's what it means it means that now you get to do something that god has called you to do and you get to do something as only god can equip you to do that thing so you get to do something you've never done before by the power of god for him in a way that only you can do it and then he said and that's what happens with everybody who answers the call of god i thought wow that's it god has equipped you to do a particular thing god has called you to a particular sowing for a particular harvest and you're the only one that is equipped in that particular way to do that in that particular way at this particular place in this particular time. 
And God has called you to do that. And that's a, that's a holy responsibility that he has given. And therefore we demonstrate holy grit in the midst of that holy responsibility that he has given to each one of us. And no one else can do it exactly like you can do it because God has called you to do it at this place in this time surrounded by the people that you know. The sphere of influence that is around you. That's a responsibility. And don't say, oh, well, somebody else will do it. If I don't do it, it'll get done. Yeah, but God's called you to do it. God's called you to go work in the field. God's called you to sow. God's called you to look forward to that harvest. I'm going to say this, and for some of you, it's going to maybe sound weird. I don't know. Uh, What's new? (laughs) Over the last so many years, the stuff y'all have heard me say. Um, I'm I'm not saying I had some sort of prophetic dream or anything like this. not what I'm saying. But before I went into full-time ministry many years ago, I remember I was still teaching, and I remember I had a dream one night. And maybe it was because I'd been thinking about ministry. Maybe it was because I'd just been, you know. But I remember in this dream, um, and I go back to it a lot. I, I remember there was this huge house, this incredible mansion. And I remember to the left, there was this, this field and, and this and to my left. And I remember this field was just absolutely green. I mean, tall plants. I mean, it was just fields and fields as far as you could see. And over to my right, there was just this wide it like mississippi delta land it was just as far you know your dog runs away and you watch him run away for like three days right you just it's just as far as you could see it was just flat land and it was just flat and it was just dirt and dust and i remember looking out and there were like tons of people out here just like throwing dirt around they had shovels and they had hose and they had rakes and there's just this cloud of dust and there's people just throwing dirt everywhere and there was nothing that was getting done it was just a bunch of dirt being slung but i remember over here on this side i remember seeing like the the caps like people were in caps and i just remember seeing like maybe just like a handful maybe like eight people i could see in the midst of this massive green field And I remember standing there in my dream in front of this huge house. And I remember looking over to my right at all this dirt being thrown. And I remember looking over to my left at all this this incredible lush vegetation with people working in the field. And I remember seeing in my mind, I mean, I, I couldn't really fully describe it, but I remember seeing in my mind who was Jesus, like standing there on the steps of this, of this big mansion. And I remember looking at him and I remember him just stretching out his hands and saying, pick and that was it pick and I remember waking up from that dream and I remember thinking that's what he's that's what he's saying that's what he's saying about ministry to me I gotta pick am I gonna go this route where I've seen so many people go before and nothing gets accomplished or just a lot of dirt gets thrown And people get worn out and tired out for what? For nothing. Or am I going to go where there's just a few out here working in the fields and the fields are ready for harvest and I'm supposed to go over there? I picked that way. 
And I remember waking up realizing that's the biblical way. That's what, that's what he's called me to. That's what he's called every single one of us to. And can I tell you, if you're over here slinging dirt and dust and accomplishing nothing, it's not too late to switch fields. Wait a minute, Pastor, are you talking about me joining me starting full time ministry? Well, I don't know, maybe. But I'm saying just getting in the center of God's will for your life, whether that's full time Christian ministry or something else. It's not too late. How do I know it's not too late? Because you still have breath. You still have purpose. He still has things to accomplish. Can I also say, if you've been sitting there and you're saying, yeah, but you don't understand, I've wasted the last 30 years of my life. Can I tell you, God can accomplish more in one year by the power of the Holy Spirit when you're surrendered to him than you can 30 years working it out on your own. You surrender to him and be surrendered to him and follow his lead. And he will, he, you will see, he will see God do things in your life that you've never even imagined that he would do. We wait on the harvest. We wait patiently on the harvest, whatever that may be. But ultimately that harvest glorifies God alone. And we get to be a part of the process by his grace and his mercy. Let's pray. Lord God. We come before you, and God, we're thankful for the promise of a harvest. We're thankful that the day is going to come. You're going to set everything right. We're thankful the day is going to come where everything will be made perfect. And Father, we want as many people to know about Christ as we can possibly tell. And Father, I pray for anybody here today who maybe. Maybe they're at a place they're saying, I'm just ready to give up. I'm ready to quit. Father, I pray that you would let them know, no, that's not your will. Your will is not for them to quit the spiritual undertaking that you've given to them. Your will is not for them to walk away from the spiritual responsibility you've given to them. Your will is to empower them, to walk with them, to guide them, to lead them, to encourage them, to strengthen them so that they will see you bring about a harvest. And I pray you would do just that. Father, I pray for people who may be here today or may be listening or watching, and they may be at a place where they've been wrestling with your call upon their lives, I pray today would be the day they would say, God, I don't know what it looks like, maybe. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when exactly, but I'm surrendered to you. And Father, there may be some people here watching, listening, here worshiping with us in person this morning, and they may say, I've never made a decision to follow Christ. I've been sowing to my own flesh, trying to do it myself. Father, I pray today would be the day they would say, no more, I'm going to trust the work of Christ, the work that Christ has done. I'm going to trust that he died in my place on a cross for my sins to appease the wrath of the Father so that I could have perfect relationship with him. Through faith, through trusting that he did that, trusting that he will forgive, trusting my eternity with him. Father, I pray for anybody today that's just so discouraged, no matter what they're facing, I pray today would be the day that they would say, God, I, I, I want to wait 
and I want to be patient, trusting that you're going to bring a harvest in your time, in your way, for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.